Well, have you ever thought about the words you use in life? The things that, maybe, maybe not the words you use, but maybe the words that you let in. I mean, really into you, not the, the passing words that fall away, but the words that were spoken over you, whether life-giving or demeaning. Have you ever really took a pause to just, just to stop and think about how powerful words are? People die because of things that are said. Tongues can be weapons of mass destruction, launching holocausts and wars. Tongues can also be the death of marriages, families, friendships, churches, careers, hopes, understanding, reputations, missionaries, efforts, and governments. But, but people also live because of things that are said. The tongue can be a tree of life, as Proverbs 15.4 says. Tongues can reconcile peoples and make peace. Tongues can, can make marriages sweet, families strong, and churches healthy. Tongues can give hope to the despairing, advance understanding, and spread the gospel. We decided that for the next few weeks, instead of jumping into a book, which we predominantly do here in this, so about a handful of times over the course of Rev, we've, we've paused to talk about a specific subject for just a few weeks. And so building up to Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about words, ending ultimately on Christmas Eve where the word became flesh. And so as these next few weeks as we talk about the words, I want to encourage you guys to, to give yourself to this, to think about this, to, to allow the Lord to really work on you in this and hope that you can grow as I have been growing and being challenged through this study as well. See, every, everyone knows that words are a big thing. There's many sayings of words out there, right? Sticks and stones may break bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie, right? Many of us have been very hurt by, by words. Actually, uh, Mother Teresa says, words which do not give light of Christ increase the darkness. Winston Churchill said, we are masters of the unsaid words, but slaves of those we let out. And the great theologian John Wayne said, talk low, talk slow, and don't say too much. The Bible has a lot to say about words as well. In fact, it isn't really the words we say that the Bible is actually concerned about, although that is something that we see and we'll look at the scriptures for sure. It's the well with which these words come from. It's where these words that we speak come from. And I believe too often we use words way too flippantly. We use words like love for hamburgers. We use words like hate for Eagle Road. We use words way too flippantly. And the problem is, is that, that the Bible is very, very clear. In fact, the very first time that we see anything being spoken is all the way back in Genesis 1, verse 3, and, Jesus, and God speaks. God says, let there. It's good. Let there. It's good. God says, God says, God says. The very creation of who we are wasn't brought by muscles or moving objects. It was spoken out of God's mouth. And the very word becomes flesh is what we'll talk about on Christmas Eve. And so if this is how we see the words being sandwiched in our life from the beginning of things to the culmination of Jesus Christ on the cross for us, I think we ought to be a little bit more careful about what we say. In fact, Matthew 12 says this, 1236, Jesus says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Now, I don't know what that looks like. I know for those of us that are children of God, that's not going to be a shaming opportunity because God is not a God of shame, but but he tells us that we will give an account for every careless word we speak. How many careless words did you speak this morning, this weekend, over Black Friday? How many careless words have you spoken in the last month? Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who will love it will eat its fruit. Death 
and life. We see that in Scripture over and over and over again, our words have two opportunities to either build up or to tear down. To either bring about life or bring about death. And I know what you're thinking. There's so many things. Ah, it's just neutral. It didn't really mean much. I have yet to think of anything in my life that I've said that was completely neutral. That didn't have some kind of insecurity or some kind of fear or some kind of ill will towards it or some kind of hope and joy and, and life to it. See, I, I don't know if we can really come across something neutral. Maybe you can argue with me that there is something neutral. But for the sake of Scripture, let's just stay in the fact that, that this proverb doesn't say the tongue either breathes life or death or sometimes neutral things. It says you either bring life or death. Now, I understand the seeming incongruence of doing a sermon of a bunch of words talking about how words are so important we should use less of them. But I think we have to be aware of this. I think it's really important. So today we're going to talk about the fact that, that words have a lot more meaning than we actually give them credit for. Next week we're going to talk about how our words affect others. The third week will be our words are with God. And then on Christmas Eve will be the word became flesh. And so we're going we're to talk about this. We're going to dig into this. But if you think about it, nothing big doesn't begin with someone just saying something. All it takes is one small statement to destroy the entire reputation. One small saying to, to just bring about a crushing blow to your spouse. One, one snide comment to just hurt the children which God entrusted to you. You know, in, in 1871, the Chicago fire happened where at least 300 people were killed, 100,000 people were homeless, and $200 million. In 1871, $200 million worth of property was destroyed. You know how this began? A cow kicked over a lantern. One small thing affects so many. The scriptures talk about this as well. In James, if you want to look there, you're welcome to. James 3, I should have it on the slide for you as well. 3, 2 through 12, it says, For we all, st we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world, a world of righteous, unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on, fire the, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of him. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. It'd be really easy when we talk about this, and I think many of us right now are probably feeling the same way I felt as I studied this all week. Wow, I, I really should pay more attention to what I'm saying. And if I could just not speak at all, that would just be probably a win in, 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 in the column of following the Lord. 
And we want to do something like Psalm 141 says, set a guard, O Lord, over my lips. And, and we think about, okay, if I can just not say the things that I'm thinking, the problem is the things that you're thinking and the things that you're saying come from somewhere within that is the real issue. The issue isn't that we need a better filter, although some of you could definitely do with a better filter. Okay, I'll just be really clear about this. And just in case you're wondering, when we talk about saying things, that means typing things as well. It means signing them. That means drawing them. Anything that we put out in communication. This is what this is talking about. And most of us would want to go, okay, well, with a topic like this, let's just be silent. And really, a lot of us would do very well with that. But the issue isn't, God isn't about us just saying the right things. He's about our heart condition. He's about, he's about what's going on inside of us. He's about what really is happening to us from changing from the inside out. And yes, as our heart changes, we will see the outside change. But God has made it very, very clear there's a way in which you and I can see the condition of our heart very, very well. You want to know how it is? It's by what we say. If you want to see the condition of your heart, think about the words that you say. Think about the thoughts that you have. The things that maybe you would say when no one else is looking. Or, you know, I bet very few people slip up cussing or saying things that they shouldn't say in church, but have no problem doing it at work in, during the week. That's not a heart change. That's a, that's a people-pleasing. In fact, Jesus is, is pretty clear about this. Luke 6, 45 says this. Instead of today working on the tool of, hey, let's figure out not to say things, let's look at where this comes from. Jesus, Jesus says this. The good person out of good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the what? The heart, his mouth speaks. So what is abundantly full in our heart is what is going to come out of our mouths. That means... That means that a critical heart produces a critical tongue. A self-righteous heart produces a judgmental tongue. A bitter heart produces a biting tongue. An ungrateful heart produces a grumbling tongue. But a loving heart produces a gracious tongue. A faithful heart produces a truthful tongue. A peaceful heart produces a reconciling tongue. A trusting heart produces an encouraging tongue. We can't say that what we speak and what we say has no indication on where our heart is. And that's what this is. That's what the Lord is doing with us. Is He's saying, look, you're going to see what comes out of your mouth on a day-to-day -day basis. You're going to see what you think about your spouse in that moment when you're frustrated. You're gonna, you know those things. Here's the thing. He knows those things. But those, those flippant thoughts and words that come out are, are a condition of our heart. In fact, Jesus says it this way in, in Matthew 15, 18 through 19. He says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. Meaning, whatever is said here, it doesn't start here in your head. It starts here. What comes out of the mouth is really what comes from the heart. And he says, and this defiles a person. This was an argument about eating certain specific things. He says, no, it doesn't matter what you eat. You just, you just pass that through. Really, it's for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, and slander. Did you think about it this way? It doesn't start with your mouth. It starts in your heart. What we say or don't say doesn't start with what we think about it. It's, it's where our heart is. It's, it's the condition of our heart. And, and like, like James was saying, how can we bless and curse out of the same mouth? It makes no sense. A fig tree is not going to produce olives. And so we are his children. Those of us who surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ should be wells of abundance of our hearts of goodness and faith and trust and kindness and joy, not grumbling, not critical. 
And we, we try to find these other words to define the ways that we're okay with our hearts being where they are. And at the end of the day, everything in here is about our heart. If all you do is, is shore up the outside, guys, you're just going to haul yourself. In fact, Jesus talks about that too. He says many people clean the outside of the cup, but they don't really deal with what's in the inside, speaking about the Pharisees. So where's your heart? If I had told you today that you could literally, you could literally have a, a gauge, a barometer, a, a thermometer of what the condition of your heart is just by what words are coming out of your mouth, is that an exciting thing or a discouraging thing to hear? This isn't just slip-ups or mistakes, these words you say. They're, they're coming from your heart. You know, if you, if you have your heart full of Scripture and love, what comes out? Scripture. You have your life full of Netflix and Facebook. What comes out of your heart? Probably not Scripture. Words mean a lot more than we think they do. The words you and I say or anything we do are just reactions to what is really in our heart. And so today, in, in as few words as possible, I wanted us to just feel and understand the weight of where our heart is. I want us to really think about the fact that, that when God speaks, life shows up. And we were made in his image. We bear his image. As, as followers of Jesus, we are little Christs. We, we are to be the likeness of him. And that means that we are, we are to bear his image in the way that we communicate, in the way that we live. And so how's your heart doing? How's your heart doing? And look, I, I, I get it. So many of us will be like, well, man, this just seems so legalistic and this seems so crazy. But here's, here's the thing. It's not about whether you say something that is or isn't great in someone else's mind. It's about where your heart is. And God is after your heart. He's not after anything else. And here's the thing. If your heart is changed, if he continues to, to uproot you and he continues to, to cut away the things that are not connected to the vine dresser, if he continues to, to, to tear into you the things of the flesh and, and, and separate those things away so that the, the, that the Spirit of God can do more and more in you, then your heart will continue to speak out of the abundance and that will be shown in your mouth. We need to subject our tongue to the power and the control of the Holy Spirit. We need, to, we need to submit ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the, here's the most profound and beautiful promise, guys, is that it would be really easy for us to go, okay, well, I just need to do this, this, and this, and then I'll be better. If I can just get a better reading plan, if I can just pray some more, if I can get a little bit more accountability, yes, all of those things can be helpful. But at the end of the day, if the heart's going to speak out of the abundance, then really what we need is more of God. We just need to want to be with more of him. I had a, a house, and I feel like almost every house I have has this problem, so it's probably a, I'm, the, I'm the common denominator in this, but, but I tend to get weeds pretty regularly in my grass, okay? And so, you know, you do the really expensive, like, weed and feed, and I've had people, like, tell me, like, no, you really need to do this differently. Like, if you do this, and this will help. I and mean, we've got chickens trying to take things out. I'm mean, like, I'm doing everything I possibly can to take care of weeds, but they're never there. But you know when my lawn looks the best right after I mow it? I mean, it looks amazing, right? If I can just, like, mow my lawn every day, no one would ever see my weeds, right? Because they're cut down low enough that they just kind of hide within the grass. Anyone with me? Is this, I'm the only one that has this problem? Okay, so, so next year to appreciate your pastor, come do my lawn and figure this out, okay? So, um, but, but either way, like, it, it is gone. It is so easy to see, like, they're gone. And then about one day later, that one dandelion pops its head up. It's like, where did you come from? You know, like, how is that possible? And then, like, the next day, there's, like, 40. And then pretty soon, it's, like, 
do I even have grass out there? Like, what's happening here? And I think that's the, the tendency when we think about words. We think if we can just mow over, if we can just kind of white knuckle just for a second, just kind of cover up this stuff, then everything will be okay. If I can just not say something when I stub my toe that is demeaning, if I could just not react when someone cuts me off in this negative way, if I could just, if I could just keep those things from happening, then everything will be okay. But the issue is, is there's roots to those weeds. Those words that come out, they don't just slip out. They, they have, they've embedded roots into your heart. And you can spend all day long mowing over them. You can do it. And you can even go out there and pull them. Like I even asked my kids to pull weeds, and they pull like me where they just pull the head off and nothing really happens, right? We can pull at them all day long. We can, we can do everything until we lay ourselves on the operating table and say, God, cut away whatever is of you, is not of you, and leave whatever is of you. We're not going to see this heart condition change. We're going to just keep mowing weeds. We're going to keep being those people that honestly, culturally, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, don't look any different to this world than those that are not of Christ. We're going to continue to be negative, we're going to continue to be cynical. We're going to continue to be horribly sarcastic until we say, I, I'm done letting these things come out of me. I'm done being someone that, that is so negative, so fearful, so insecure. Why am I so insecure? If I, if I have to cut someone else down at the way they look, I can't celebrate someone else's good. That's a heart condition, people. If, I can't, if nothing is ever good enough, that's a heart condition. You've lost thankfulness. If you continue to grumble and fight, quarrel, divide, these are not fruits of the Spirit. And this is what words are. Words are heavy. Words are expensive. Words are very, very, very painful, and words are very powerful. God says in his words, he says that there's a way in which you and I can experience a grace and, and, a, and a life. And you know how he says it? He says, confess. He says, use words. Confess. Confess that he is Lord. Acknowledge that he is Lord. Give your life to him. Even in James, a little bit further down, it says you want to be healed? Confess. Speak. We can bring life through our words or death. Which ones do your words bring? And this is, this is really what I want to leave you with. I don't want to leave you with this like, oh man, I just got pounded in the head. Unless the Spirit is doing that, then pound away, Spirit. Please do so. But I want to leave you with this. If, if the Lord knows your heart condition the way it is, he, like, let me say this differently. The Lord knows your heart, okay? He's not dumbfounded. He's not confused. He's like, wow, they said that so eloquently. I don't know what's going on in their heart. They hit it so well. He's not, he's not perplexed. He knows your heart. So then why would we, why would we just pretend to monitor our words when people are looking? Why would we not allow ourselves to be cut of this thing? Why, why wouldn't we be people that stand completely contrary, contrary to the culture? I'm not saying like we lose the, lose the, uh, the way to evangelize or, or stand in life. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is wouldn't the way that we communicate be one of life? So where's your heart in this? We're going um, to worship again. But I, I want to I end you with a few things before I call the band up. First off, think about this. Most of us like to speak because we believe that we have every right to. 
Most of the negative things we say is because we think that we are entitled to say this. This person has wronged us, and therefore I must make it right by what I say. I must defend myself, right? I must, like, I must stand up and, and fight for what is right. And I think that's where most of us get in trouble is where that line. And most of us, I'm hoping most of us don't wake up in the morning and go, I cannot wait to speak death today. Like, I hope that's not what most of us do. And I'm going to kind of throw it out there and believe the best in all of us, right? But most of us, we take a scripture and we just assume that it's true. Like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to stand up for what's true here. And so I'm going to fight. And instead of fighting in a way that would bring honor and glory to God, we fight by hurling insults and dividing and splitting and tearing up. Think about it this way. If there's ever anyone in history that had a right to speak, it was Jesus, right? No one would argue that, that Jesus spoke and life came out, although sometimes his life was painful, the things that he spoke. This is not a statement for us to say, oh, well, we just got to say everything nice and don't ever point anything out wrong. No, no, no. The scriptures are very clear. Iron sharpens iron. We are commanded to judge that, the fruit of other believers in a non-condemnation way, but in a way of saying, hey, this is, this is not there. We are, we are called and led by the Lord to sharpen each other. So this isn't a, hey, don't say anything hard to someone. Oh, I'm just supposed to be nice to them. Just ignore the fact that what they're doing is completely sinful and, and hurtful to their family. No. As a brother and sister in Christ, you are to, to, to push into each other. Right? But no one would argue that Jesus, every time he spoke, life was brought. I mean, I, I mean, people can argue with it, but you're wrong if you argue with me on that. Okay, the scripture says it. <laughs> Jesus' life. And at, at the time in Jesus' life when he had every right to stand up and say something, I mean every right to stand up and say something, was when he was being accused. And what did Jesus do? Jesus, who is our ultimate example, was placed on trial for heresy. He was in the right, yet he kept silent so that God's will could be done. Jesus remained silent when he had every right to stand up and say something. No, I'm not creating heresy. Are you kidding me? I'm the son of God. No, I, no, I didn't do the things that you're saying. In fact, I am the one who created you. He had every right to speak and he remained silent. So maybe it's time for us to remain silent. Some of us use words as an excuse to make ourselves feel something. If I can just say this, I'll feel better. Have you ever thought about what prayer is supposed to be? We're going to talk about that in a few weeks, but there's, there's actually a way in which we are to communicate to God that can do the very things that we think gossiping or slandering will do in our hearts. Words have so much power. I was watching a friend of mine he was speaking to one of my kids, and he, he said to her something. He just encouraged her for something. And it was, it was one of those encouragements that honestly, like, it was sweet, and it was true, and there was not, he was not making anything up. It wasn't like this is, hey, we're supposed to give every kid a Mendel kind of thing. That's not what we're talking about here, right? Like, he was genuinely saw something in her and encouraged her. I have, like, saw her light up. I mean, like, light up, like, just beaming with satisfaction, it was such a profound picture of what words can do in the life of people. When's the last time that you said something to someone that it just brought life to them? When's, when's the last time? I bet many of us can think of the last time we said something that brought death. But when's the last time you spoke something over someone, genuinely spoke something to them, that like just, you just saw them light up? When's the last time you spoke life over yourself? See, I think, I think so many of us are in a spot where we won't even hear someone speaking life to us because we just continue to say death to ourselves. We continue to look in the mirror and, and show where we don't measure up and where we're failing. And that's all we see. His words have so much power. Would you, 
acknowledge that they have power? And would you let that power be for life or for death? The band's going to come up. And we're going to worship, but we're going to do something different. We're going to worship in silence. Okay, we're going to put a song up. We've already sang it today. And we're going to put it up, and we're not going to sing a single word. Okay, and that's not because I don't believe that you're worthy or able to sing a word. In fact, I think I'm hoping that most of us can. It's because I want you to do something with me for a second. If, if nothing else, and again, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll dig into this more over the next coming weeks here. But if nothing else, if, if you just left today recognizing, okay, the, the things that I say is an indicator of where my heart is, then maybe a lot of us need to spend a little bit of time just, just letting our hearts be worked through. Maybe we need to spend a little bit of time repenting confessing. Maybe you need to turn to someone next to you or go back to the prayer area or, or just full on, just grab a group around you and say, I need to confess this. I need my words that have brought death in so many different ways to bring life. And so I want to be done with this. Maybe some of you, it's just, I just need to worship the Lord in my heart. And you're like, well, how do you even do that? Read these words and let them, let them, let them, let them hit at a level. Like, is this lip service? Because here's what I'm, here's what I'm afraid of. Many of us sing the songs that come in here when we've, we have no intention of actually believing or following through with them. And that's what James is talking about. He says, look, you, you, out of the same mouth, you curse God and you, and you, and you bless him. Like, how, how, how is that possible? Like, that's, that, doesn't, that doesn't add up. It should not be that way. May it not be so. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start, God, you are so good, again. And we're just going to play. They're just going to play it instrumentally. We're not going to sing. We'll put the words up there, and we'll let you guys do it. And then in a minute, two, three, maybe not at all, I would encourage you to stand up and sing. And if you don't feel like you can do that, then stay seated, and that's fine. If you don't want to do that, then that's fine too. If you feel like the only words that need to come out of your mouth are confessions, then just confess. Here's, here's the most profound and beautiful thing about this, guys. No heart is too far gone for God. If you came in and you look at your life and you say, man, the words that come out of my mouth, I grumble, I slander, I gossip, I just, I'm loose with my lips, everything like, and you just said, man, this is the truth. If this is an indicator of my heart, then my heart is black and dark and falling apart. But God is so much bigger than that. And God can restore every single heart back to him. Just surrender to him. Give him your life again. Say, God, I just, I'm sorry that I've, I've wandered. I'm sorry that I've allowed my voice to be so incongruent with what my heart truly does believe. Would you please cut away? Lay yourself on the operating table and say, God, whatever is not connected to you, just chop off. Some of you here are realizing that if you looked at your heart by based on what you said, you've never really truly confessed that Jesus is Lord. I mean, you've never said it. You've never really fully submitted to him. You love the idea of him. You love what it makes you feel. You even love the moments where you had those kind of emotional responses. But you never really said and acknowledged with your heart that he is truly Lord, commander of your life. Then confess that. Speak that. It's the beginning of all life. Wherever you are, whatever your condition is, you're not too far gone. And if you hear this today and you, hear, you look at your heart and you think, man, I, I'm a lost cause. That is just not true in what Scripture says. If you look at this and you say, man, I, I have so far to go, then yeah, that probably is true. You know, honestly, I'm so thankful I'm not the man I once was. But I know that I have so much room to grow. But I can see what God has done in me by looking in the rearview mirror and I can, I can hold on to true and hope and faith in what he's going to do in me as he promises to finish what he started in Scripture. Would we be a people that bring life? God, we know that you 
you speak and life just flows out and I want that for me. I want that every interaction I have, whether it's with my wife or my kids or friends or complete strangers, I want life to be spoken. And I know that for only that to happen, it's the abundance of where the heart is. And so God, I know that my heart has to be surrendered to your scriptures and I have to be surrendered to you. And that means that there are things in me that you're gonna have to cut away. And so God, I willingly lay myself on the table. Cut away whatever's not of you. Cut away whatever fears or insecurities get in the way of, of, of fully submitting and surrendering to you. God, forgive, forgive me and forgive us for using words so flippantly. And God, may we be a people, I mean, uh, not, just, not just as your children, but a people that truly see the gospel transform this valley because of the way that we speak life. And God, for the individuals in here that are just saying, okay, I just need to clean things up and I just need to, I just need to do this and they're, they're filling this laundry list of what they need to do, God, would you bring them to complete surrender to you? God, I know that I cannot clean myself up. It is your spirit that does the work in me. I cannot do enough good things to make a clean heart is what Jesus Christ has done for me. And so, Father, we give ourselves to you. And for the individual in here that has not confessed to you, not acknowledged, not has spoken those things, God, would you, um, would you show them that your grace is sufficient for no matter how hard or difficult their life has been? And God, for the individuals in here that have been following you for a long time but realize that they have just maybe lost their way, they've strayed a bit, especially when they look at what comes out of their mouths or what they think, God, would you help us to take every thought captive? Would you give us the strength to speak life? Would you transform our hearts so that all that comes out is life? And God, as we, as we worship you without words, God, may it not be um, lip service with our hearts, but it may, be, may it truly be what our hearts feel and say, God, would you transform us? Would you renew us? Would you strengthen us? Would you grow us? It's in the name of Jesus we pray.